difficult to rest in God? Why is it hard to have faith that the Lord is going to take care of us? About a year and a half ago, Matheson and I were in Guatemala, which is where I grew up. And the reason we went there was we wanted, I wanted to show her around this, the country, show her around places where I had grown up, to my, my, my school, my house, where I broke my arm, where I had done all these different things, where we went on family vacations. And we were also there for uh, language school. And about two weeks into our trip, Matheson, my wife, got started getting really, really sick. And she got kept getting sicker and sicker. So we finally went to the doctor. And they took a blood test. And as they took the blood test, we got these results back from the blood test. And the blood test said, Prueba de embarazo en sangre, resultado positiva. Which meant... The test results of the the pregnancy test results were positive. <laughs> we didn't even know. We had no idea. No idea. And then the doctor says, "By the way, not only are you pregnant, but you do have a parasite. Another one, a different one. <laughs> not the same thing." So the doctor said, and the scary the thing is, we don't even know if there's anything that we can give you since you're pregnant to get rid of this parasite. It was absolutely terrifying. We walk around this town and we go get multiple doctor's opinions and see what can we do to, to make sure that our baby is okay and that this, this parasite doesn't affect our, our child. So we went and got different doctor's opinions and finally this doctor said, well, you have to weigh the benefits and the risks. And so we went to this pharmacy and they gave us this medication for Matheson to take and it had, even the medication on it, had this circle on it with a pregnant woman that was crossed with an X across it saying, don't take if you're pregnant. It was absolutely scary. If you want to know what happened, I mean, Poppy Marie's okay uh, as a result of everything. But why do we find it hard to trust God sometimes? It's because our problems that we see and the fears that are in front of us seem so big. And they're so close to home. And yet sometimes God seems to be so small and distant. This makes it hard for us to trust the Lord. And this is the situation that uh, God's people felt and faced in Isaiah chapter 7, 700 years before the birth of Christ. The question of Isaiah and the question that Ahaz felt, faced was, was God and is God trustworthy? Can we trust Him? The context of our, of our passage in verse 1 is that there is a looming threat. It says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin and Syria came up against Israel. Ahaz was the 11th king of Judah. He was a horrible king. He was evil. He didn't 
follow God. All he needed to do was to trust the Lord that the God of his fathers, the God of David, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would do what he promised and would take care of them. But the historical moment in this place is, is important. You can go to the next slide. There was a growing empire called the Assyrian Empire. You can see it here. The Assyrians were a very, very dead, deadly and dark and dangerous empire that was growing. At this time, they, they started swallowing up nations all around them. They were kind of like modern-day ISIS in their, their terror and even in a similar location. At the time of Ahaz, they were this small purple thing, but it was still very, very big. And they were growing and causing fear amongst all the countries and the nations around them. And because of that, you can go to the next slide, there were two other kingdoms. The kingdom of Ephraim and Aram, or Syria, as it says in this passage. Now what, what Ephraim and Aram, or, or Syria, were trying to do is, they said, if we can make a coalition, we can become stronger than Assyria. And so, Aram, king of Aram, Rezin, and Pekah, the king of Israel, they join forces, and they come against Jerusalem to attack it. And they bring a lot of people. And so Ahaz faces, this king Ahaz faces this very immediate threat of two nations coming against them with a threat to destroy them. And when there's an immediate threat, who cares about the longer term threat? And so the question that, that, that Ahaz faces and the question throughout the prophet of Isaiah is... Who's stronger? Our God or the God of the nations? And you see, Assyria was growing. It was this mighty empire that was growing stronger and stronger. And if you have a strong empire, that's because it was believed your God must be really strong. Some of you may know the Chris Tomlin song, Our God is Greater. I was at a retreat one time a few years ago and we were singing this song and you know how it goes our, our God is greater our God is stronger our God is higher than any other well this kid is singing this song and he kind of has a little bit, a little bit of an attitude this kid did so he starts singing this song and he goes our God is greater our God is stronger your God is weaker your God is stupid your God can't do anything at all kind of like, you, your God is nothing. That sums up basically international politics during this time. <laughs> Completely. Our God is greater. Your God is weaker. Our God is stronger. Your God can't do anything. And the, and the, the enemies around Israel, around God's people, they say, we have proof. We're growing. We're going to destroy you. Trust in our gods. 
The danger that you face, Judah, is so big. Trust in our gods. You can't even see your God, they would say. You don't have any images. You can't see your God. Trust our gods. If you trust our gods, you will be safe. If you trust our gods, you can have rest. And that is Ahaz's question. Is he going to trust the gods of Assyria, the gods of Syria, or of Ephraim? Or is he going to trust our God? Some of you probably have seen um, the movie The Jungle Book. They have this old, the old version, and then last year they came out with, with a newer one. And you may recall the scene when Mowgli meets uh, Ka, the anaconda. It's a lot scarier in the, in the new version. You know how that song goes? It's really, it's really kind of scary. This, the, Ka, the anaconda, tries to hypnotize Mowgli. And what, is, what does Ka, the anaconda, say? She says, trust in me, just in me. Shut your eyes. Trust in me. You can sleep safe and sound knowing that I am around. This is the same tactic that idols always make. And this is the same tactic that the idols were making against Ahaz. Whether we find it being money or family success or a job... Or the pleasures that come with all kinds of things. They're saying you can sleep safe and sound if you have me around. These things start to say to us, just like Ka the Anaconda, trust in me, just in me. You see, trusting idols, they promise us safety. They promised Ahaz safety. All the meanwhile that they try to consume you. And Ahaz is being mesmerized by these idols and saying that he can trust in them. And so Isaiah comes to him and gives him a word. He meets him at the laundromat, basically. And this is the word that Ahaz, that Isaiah says. It says in verse 7, Isaiah's word is this. Thus says the Lord God. Some other translations say the sovereign Lord. Literally, it just means one of the words God is, is the word master or Lord. Adonai. It is this idea of, of being the master, of being Lord. And the other one is Yahweh, which is the God that was revealed to the Bible to, to Moses. The I am God, the great God, who has always existed. The infinite, eternal, and unchanging God, who keeps His promises to His people. Isaiah says, this Lord speaks. The I am eternal master. And what is his message? He says, you know your enemy Syria? What's the capital of Syria? It's a town named Damascus. Who's the head of Damascus? 
It's just a man. You know the enemy Ephraim? What's the capital of Ephraim? Samaria. What's the head of Samaria? It's just a man. It's not going to happen. Because the Lord, He is reminding him who God is. That He is the eternal, unchanging, all-powerful Master, the Sovereign Lord. And what is a mere mortal, what is a mere human to the eternal and unchanging God? You see, He is saying God is trustworthy because He is sovereign. He is in control. We face circumstances in our life, don't we? That trouble us. And they lull us to idolatry, to trust in other things, because they, they provide us safety, or seemingly so. During those circumstances, we need to know that God is big, and He is in control. Whether There are crisis moments in our life. Obviously, we need to know that God is bigger than them. But also in the common, everyday stresses that we face. Sometimes we get up in the morning and we have so many problems facing us. What we're going to do for our job that day. How we're going to do it. How we're going to see our family take care of them. All these little things, they build up and they become so big. And they become so close. That we need to be reminded that we can trust God. Because He is sovereign. I saw this sign in a a restaurant a few weeks ago. And um, it says this. And I also got a sticker from from Brendan Hurl that said the same thing. And it's a good reminder. And it says this. Good morning. This is God. I will be handling all of your problems. I will not need your help. So have a nice day. See, God is sovereign over our everyday common problems. As the psalmist says, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. We can trust Him in the crisis and in the common. And this makes it so that we can have a firm faith. But even so, is it, it's still hard to trust God. Even though we may know that He is big and He is sovereign and He is in control. It's still hard to trust Him. And He knows that we struggle to find our rest in God. And yet the prophet reminds us, not only is God trustworthy because He is sovereign, but God is trustworthy because He is present with us. See, Ahaz starts to trust the idols. And so Isaiah meets him and gives him this message again. He says in verse 10, Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz, pretending to be have strong faith, even though he has none whatsoever, he's already starting to trust in the other gods he says this I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test and the Lord says 
Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? And so God says, I'm going to give you a sign anyways. And what is the sign? He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the sign that God gives Ahaz that he's trustworthy, that he's going to do what he promises. He says, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ahaz should have known this, as we should know this, because it was at the heart of the scriptures, at the heart of the covenants, at the heart of God's promises. When he talked to Adam in the beginning, he was there with him in the garden, and they tried to hide themselves from his presence. When God made a covenant with Abraham, He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offsprings throughout your generations for an everlasting covenant to be your God, to be present. To Moses, He says, when they're leaving, when they're being oppressed by the the gods and the idols around them, He says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And then in Leviticus he says, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. And then to Joshua, when they're in the land and they fear what's going to happen to them, what does God say? He says, be not afraid for I am with you. And then when David, his son, builds the temple. There's the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's presence. They bring it to the temple, and God's presence comes powerfully, and you can't see it. But His presence comes so powerfully that the the leaders could not even stand. You see, we can't see God. But the Scriptures tell us that He is present. God with us. My Old Testament Hebrew professor said this theme of God's presence with us comes to a burning focus in one word. Emmanuel. Meaning God with us. The Bible points to this. That God is with us And this is a comfort to us. It's a reminder that God is in fact near in in all of our circumstances, everything. We see it in His promises. We see it any time that we have baptisms and the Lord's Supper. And when we see God doing things, He is present. But God's presence is also a word of caution. Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? You see, there are times when we want to escape God's presence. But we cannot. It's inescapable. And sometimes to say that God with us is not always to say that God is always for us. Or for you at first. And here's what I mean. 
My daughter is 11 months old. And she knows that there are certain things that she is not supposed to do. One of them is that I have an office with a door that closes. And she knows that she is not allowed into my office because it is not baby-proofed. You know, there's open sockets, there's a bicycle, and there are big books that can fall on her and crush her. And she knows this is not where she is supposed to go. Sometimes I leave the door open. And as soon as she sees the door open, immediately... She tries to toddle over there really, really fast. She used to try and crawl, but now she's toddling. And always, this is always what happens. She gets to the door of my office, and as soon as she walks into the doorway, she looks back. She sees me, and then she gets this little grin on her face and goes right for it. As if she says, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I see you're with me, so it's okay. Sometimes we mistake God's presence with his permission. Sometimes we think that just because God is present, that means he's always there for us, even when we do things that we shouldn't. We cannot master God's presence. We cannot wield it for what we want. God's presence is to mold us. And this is seen in this very passage here. Because Ahaz did not trust in God's presence. It's the tragedy of the passage. Ahaz did not end up trusting God. He trusted in Assyria and the idols of Assyria. And the very presence of Emmanuel became for him judgment. It says it right there in verse 17. It says, The Lord himself will bring upon you the king of Assyria. As the New Testament tells us in Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yet, how do we know, how can we know that God's sovereign and very close presence can actually be for our good? How do we know that He can be for us and not against us? What is the trustworthy sign that we are given? Verse 14 says again, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then turn to Matthew chapter 1, if you will. What is the sign that God's presence is for us, can be for us, and not be against us? It is Jesus Himself. See, Jesus is God's trustworthy sign that we can be, in fact, saved from our sins. Matthew chapter 1 tells it this way. In verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, 
and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see this prophecy that came 700 years before the birth of Christ is being fulfilled at the birth of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is Emmanuel. He is the incarnation of God in human flesh. He was fully God. He was God with us. And yet, at the same time, Jesus was fully a man. He was born as a little baby in a back village in a small feeding trough. This is why He can save us from our sins. This is the sign of Christmas. And you can go to the next slide. Emmanuel, God with us. This is our sign. And this is what it's all about. See, the Bible makes a radical claim. And this is it. It is is that only because Jesus is fully God and fully man that we have hope for salvation. This is the claim of the Bible. That He had to be God. He had to be God. And He had to be man to save us from our sins. Why? Why? Well, Ray and I were talking about this on Friday. And He had to be a man because man, humanity, we sinned. Man sinned against God and only a man could pay for man's sin. You see, Jesus entered all of our misery. He entered all of our suffering. And yet, He never sinned. Not once. And yet, He had to be God. Because if He wasn't God, He couldn't have died for anybody else except for Himself. But because He is this infinite, eternal God, this sovereign God, He's able to die for my sins and your sins and everyone's sins from all time who put their faith in Him. This is why it says that Jesus can be the Savior. He's the Savior of all of His people's sins. And yet we know this is, this is the sign. And yet there are competing signs. Competing signs at Christmas. There are secular signs that compete with this message. And there are religious signs. And if you have questions about these signs, then I'd be happy for you to talk to Manuel about it. But I'm going to tell you about two competing signs. One is a a very secular sign that we 
that we, uh, that we learn about all the time. We sing songs about this grandfatherly figure who has almost godlike qualities. We make catchy songs that instill good morals to our children that go like this. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. For I'm telling you why. See, this can be actually a crippling religion of good works. And I know this for a fact. Because if you talk to my wife when she was a kid, she didn't even, wasn't even told about this story. And yet, Christmas Eve, she would stay in her bed up all night anxious that she hadn't been good enough to get presents. And we say, that's for, for children. And yet, this is what we believe oftentimes. You better watch out. You better not pout. Be a good person. The other one is religious. A couple weeks ago, we just got home from um, out going out. And I just changed into my sweatpants and an undershirt. And we had these two young Mormon uh, ladies come and stop by our house. And they said, we would like to talk to you about light the world. We're talking about how Jesus is our example. How we like to follow him. We watched this video. And it sounded so good. This Christmas video that they put out. Matthew and I watched it. And it even brought tears to her face. Because it is so. It just pulled on your heartstrings. And they'll even, even talk to us about how Jesus is their Savior by way of being a good example. And here's where it gets hard. Because they say they don't believe that Jesus is actually Emmanuel. That He is God with us. And so, if that is the case, then all we're left with is, is Jesus being the sign of how we should live. Being our Savior by being a good example of how to raise your family. Both of them. Whether it's a secular one or the religious one. Lead us to being good people. They leave us with just that. That sign is crippling. Because here's our greatest problem. The more we try to watch out. The more we try not to pout, the more we try not to cry, we see how much we actually are on the naughty list. The more we try to follow Jesus as merely a good example, the bigger and closer our sin becomes to us. And it cripples us. Your sin becomes so big and so close that it clings to you that you can't see anything else. And it will crush you. Yet if Christmas tells us anything, and the sign of Christmas tells us anything, it is that Jesus is Emmanuel, fully God and fully man. For he came to save his people from his sins. Jesus is that sovereign God who is bigger than your worst of sins. He is God who is closer than the closest 
sins that you face. And if you trust in Him, He will be a sure sign to you that you can trust Him that you are saved from your sins. Even your biggest and even your closest sins because He is bigger and He is closer and He is able to save us from our sins. This is the sign of Christmas. Will we pay attention? Lord, we praise you. Father, the fears in our hearts and the sins that we experience, they seem so big. And they seem to cling so close. Help us to trust you by your Holy Spirit. Because we know that you are sovereign and you are ever present with us. Help us to trust in your sign, Jesus, that you can save us from our sins. We praise you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.